Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the American Scousers podcast. So I am Timuchin. No, I am not Timuchin, but I will continue to start every podcast that way until he is back. I'm Galley here in Western Mass, and I am joined tonight with Jamie. How are we doing, Jamie? Excellent, lads. Good to be back. Glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. And of course, we have Paul, a false positive for something. Tell us the rest, Paul. I just in general, I feel like I'm falsely positive about a lot of things. Like it's kind of a philosophy of mine before COVID, really. Well, we can't really complain then, can we, if we have a false positive from Paul, which is basically about as positive as Paul has been in the last six to ten months on this podcast or any other Monday, therefore after. So we'll start up tonight a little different than normal, right? No, we won't. We're going to start tonight where everybody wants to start and no one on here wants to be, except for me, because I don't have to actually answer the question. <laughs> that no, is you write your answer down, my friend. Play along. Play along. you got to write your answer down. <laughs> It, it's finally my time. Normally, this is my time to not shine. This is my time to let you two not shine, which is pretty much what makes me the happiest. So, obviously, we only had one match this week. I thought we'd have two cup games. We only had one. And we're going to review that match in a little bit. So, it made me bring our trivia question this week to the FA Cup. So, Last time Liverpool won the FA Cup was in 2006. We're going to have a little bit of trivia around that match today. So my question for you two is, and we're going to answer this a little later so you can let it simmer and think about it. And for our listeners who love to chime in with their quick answers, they can jump in whenever they choose. So let me ask you. The last time Liverpool played in the FA Cup final was in 2006. Who was it that they played against? What was the final score? And I want two of Liverpool's goal scorers. Gotcha. Does anyone want to give me one answer quickly before they Google all of my replies? I mean, goal score is easy. Like, I'm just going to go Gerard, right? I mean, he's got to get – like, he's got to have one. Yep, that's the Gerard final, West Ham. Yeah, West Ham's a team. Gerard's got to be one of the goal scorers. I don't know the other one, though. Well played, Jamie. We'll uh, come back who, to that. Who got the other one? Um, I don't know. Give the answer later on. Yeah, we'll get the, the answer later on. You guys automatically gave us a much better question, and Cosgrove's already angry because he missed both the question and each of you got one of the answers, which just means Timuchin has to get back quicker because Does these questions are far too, far too easy when I'm the one hosting the trivia section of the podcast. So I wanted to start this week with where the week started which was the Arsenal match on Thursday that was scheduled to be played in the League Cup. And the fact that it was canceled due to uh, our COVID outbreak. Clearly, Arsenal had a problem um, with that overall response. Arsenal wasn't happy with it. So, Paul, what's your, what's your feeling on these cancellations and more importantly, how the EPL and the league as a whole is handling these cancellations with regards to the size of the squad. I mean, I honestly think this is the worst possible scenario for this year. I mean, we knew it was going to have the potential to get messy. I think, you know, I'm with, like Timuchin talked about it. I, me and Timuchin are in agreement. My thing was like, I would like to see anywhere between like a two to four week pause. And I know that's not going to really change. I know it doesn't really change the fact that like, even after the pause that the, the virus is still very much present and you're still going to have like outages and postponements. But I think 
for me, like that pause would allow there to be some sort of like, I don't know. I just think to keep everything consistent for all the teams, I would have liked that just because I think now you've got, you've got teams with multiple games in hand and then you've got, you know, teams that like are getting games canceled and teams that aren't getting games canceled. And like, there's just too much uh, room for inconsistency. And it's hard to like, to look at this and be like, all right, what is the, where's the consistent threshold and platform so that all teams have a level playing field in terms of like how we're calling games off and how we're keeping them on. Because now you've got teams that are like, Oh, we don't have X amount of players fit because some of them are at AFCON and then some of them are injured and some of them are sick. And for me, it's like, well, wait a minute. Like we're counting injuries into this now injuries are coming into play. So like, for me, it's like, if you have a team that has five players test positive for COVID and has three major injuries already to their starting 11 and players gone at AFCON, they may technically have enough players for the game to go on, but now they have added incentive and big incentive to either manufacture injuries or to be less transparent about things. There, there is room in this thing for teams to manipulate it. And that's what I don't like about it. Jamie, what, what are your thoughts regarding how the league is handling, um, you know, the current pandemic and more importantly, the balance between the squad sizes in these different clubs and what's equaling a postponement um, club to club? I mean, it's a mess. There's no two ways about it. Um, it it's, you know, you, you see a lot of fans um, back home now, given the usual anti-Liverpool spiel, um, especially given, you know, the, the Anne Williams documentary just came out and, We'll get on to Shrewsbury and the game later on, but there's just always an anti-Liverpool theme going. And, and with the, the Arsenal cancellation, again, I see you rifle through the comments on some of these idiotic posts, and it's just, um, you know, the whole false positive um, Bickler thing. Um, it, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's it's amazing that, um, well, A, if if... if if uh, Omicron was a bit more serious, the league would be should have been called off by now. You know, what I mean, so at least it's not that bad. But it, it's a mess, you know. So let me ask you guys: Do you guys believe that the league should have been called off by now? I mean, I'm glad it's not. But Paul, I don't know. Where do you stand? Yeah, I don't know about called off. I would have liked to see it a pause, but I think honestly they were worried about pausing it because of the World Cup in the summer. Like there's just not a lot of room on the actual calendar to pause this thing and hold games off. Because say you pause it and it doesn't improve, then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you're pushing right up on the World Cup and you're going to have to cancel a half season. Nobody wants that. So um, I don't think there is an easy answer. Um I don't know, man. Like, I just think that there should have been, I think there is room to be more clear about what the standards for a match being called off are. And it's very, it's very much like the FA and the premier league to like say they're treating it on a case by case basis basis with very, very little transparency whatsoever. Um, I mean, that's just, we see that anywhere from the ground up on how teams are put together, how sponsorship deals are approved or not approved all the way through how we've treated VAR, all the way through this. I mean, there is very little transparency, um, and it does really leave a lot of room for, like, people who want to shot conspiracy theories uh, or or want to have, you know, or conv- convenient narratives. So, I don't know. Yeah, part can, I, can I repeat the question there? Well, yeah, I know everybody's asking uh, for the oh, trivia. No. Oh, our trivia question because we got we got into our trivia so quickly today because well, no one on here is usually ready to be embarrassed by <laughs> trivia because Mutant's not here to embarrass us all. So I tried to move past it. So to repeat the trivia question for those who joined us a little bit late, the question was the last time Liverpool won the FA Cup, who was it that they played, and give us the goal scorers on the day. 
And now you can go ahead and give Paul and Jamie the answers they don't know by Googling and dropping them in the comments. So let me ask you, though, Jamie, regarding that, uh, regarding the match that we had um, this week, postponed with Arsenal, when that announcement came out and you heard that Liverpool were getting to get this pass based on the, you know, the, the outbreak of COVID in the camp. Right. Did, did you feel in any way that we should have played that match based on the fact that other clubs were playing matches this week with other outbreaks and, and to be outside? But we had no keepers, right? So that was the whole issue, right? Like, apparently we had no keepers. Like, the, the goalkeeping um, coaches all had it. And, and Kazi was joking in the, in, the, in the Discord that Tafarel would be playing Tafarel. And people were joking that Karius was going to be playing and, and this, that, and the other. So it was like, how could we play? You know, what was the total number that we were rumored to be out? It was like 14 or, or 18 players or something like that. Like, we couldn't pick a squad. So I, I don't care what anybody else says. I mean, yeah. I, I have no clue about any other team. I, I don't care. And, that, and that's one to me. That's one to me that is super easy and transparent. Like the rules are very clear that you have to have two available keepers. We had one. So like for me, there's not a whole lot of room and argument. If that's the actual rule, right? If the rule is you have to have two and we don't have two, where, where is there any room in the argument? Like there is none to me, unless you want to say that we manufactured, you know, false positives for that match, which I, I mean, I think you'd have to really go out on a limb to, to believe that kind of a narrative. And, you know, for people being like, oh, we were scared. Much for people to believe that kind of narrative though, Paul. Yeah, well, people are like, oh, we were scared to play Arsenal. I'm like, Klopp suggested we do a single leg elimination at Emirates. Forrest done all right, didn't they? Do you, do you, I mean, like, if, if you're an Arsenal fan and you feel like you've got a better shot over two legs, then I can't help you. You're an idiot. Yep. So, like, I mean, if our response is to play one at Emirates, to me that doesn't seem like we're that scared of that match. Yeah, and the, and the manager made it clear he had no problem playing that match. And and let's be real, we could have played Kelleher in that match. He wasn't positive on Thursday or he wouldn't have been positive on Sunday morning. He wouldn't have been negative on Sunday morning allowed to play. So we could have played that match with Kelleher. At the end of the day, what well, came down to was Apparently Kelleher was one of the false positives. Well, that, that's almost the false narrative, I think, that's coming out today. I think what well, Klopp right. did today was make it clear that Liverpool didn't play that match because they had false positives. But they would have played that match had they had enough players available that day to play that match. And I think what it comes down to this morning is, is that it just shows that when you're doing same-day PCR tests, which anyone who's gotten into this, genre and it's a disgusting world we live in that we know the difference between false negatives and semi-negatives and sort of positives and PCRs and MCRs. The fact that any of us know all of these acronyms just shows we've been dealing with COVID too long. Um, but really the fact that they were making those comments today let me know that there was nothing they could do to, but to postpone that match on Thursday. And Arsenal can be angry. We made our statements. We would have played that as a one-legged tie. We would have played it as a two-legged tie. At the end of the day, if it comes down to a football match between us and Arsenal at full squad, we're going to win that match. Right, but it also comes down to a lot of money, right? If you change it to one leg, that's, that's half the money gone, right? I mean, you talk about transparency. Klopp was one of the most transparent out there. And then everybody else wasn't. So Klopp was like, well, hold on. Maybe I'm just going to hold my cards a little closer to my chest this run and fuck everybody else. Excuse my French. But there you go. Like that's Jamie. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the biggest argument for the pause, right? Because like every time there's a postponement, we're going to go through this with every team. Like, you know, you know, Ben, Ben brings up the point that the athletic is saying that concerned clubs, you know, say that we learned about the, false positives ahead of time before the Arsenal match, which is obviously pure speculation for any of us, right? We don't know. In, in like, I can see that, but like for every, for every single match, we could do that. Right. I mean, let's look at the city match that just got postponed. They, ha they apparently have 21 positive players 
So are you going to tell me that like those 21 players that tested positive basically went positive over the course of like 48 hours between their last match? Like that seems highly suspicious to me. My suspicion is they probably had positives on that team that were either unreported or false positives as well. So like we can do this for every single match. And that's really, I think, the biggest argument for this temporary pause because we don't have to drag ourselves through this, which is obviously, I mean, for somebody like me who just wallows in negativity anyway is emotionally exhausting. Not you, Paul. Not you. Not you on the negative side of you things. Well, a lot of people think I don't have a heart, but I mean, it's hard, it's hard being me. You know what I mean? I've well, we know you are. He has a heart. <laughs> so... So as we migrate away from COVID and the EPL and the cancellation, obviously we have our we have the news that we'll be playing the first leg next Thursday at Anfield in the uh, semifinal of the League Cup, and that the following match will be on the 20th at the Emirates. Before we move on to the FA Cup against Shrewsbury and start to kind of preview the upcoming matches this week, what do you guys feel, Jamie, specifically you to start? What do you feel the difference is or what type of negative impact could it be Liverpool having to play that first leg at home compared to getting the second leg at home? Um, you're, you're probably going to have to repeat that, Gary, because I just love the way Americans say Shrewsbury. Like, you make it sound... Nice. <laughs> it's anyway, sorry. Um, honestly, I love that. But, I, you know, I get made fun of because I say things like Mountain Dew and aluminum. So, or you, aluminum. You, should, you should make fun of everything I say incorrectly, Jamie, at all yeah. times. It, so was okay. it, was it was beautiful. I loved it. Also, I'll, leave yeah. out, I'll leave out the niceness of those loathsome folks that we'll get to and those supporters we'll get to in a bit. Yeah. So let me ask you, what do you feel flipping the fixtures between the first leg being at the Emirates to Anfield will have on an impact of this time? Well, I mean, it's like Paul said, right? Um, if we can't beat Arsenal over two legs, then you've clearly been watching AFTV far too long. Um it is slightly annoying that the home leg is first, but then we, we just need to sink them 4-0 in the first 20 minutes like we did in the Brendan Rodgers era, and then we're good, right? We're all wearing the Warrior shirts. We're all getting the throwback. To, we're getting the team back together. Let's just throw 4-0 up in the first 20 minutes, a la Brendan Rodgers, because, um, yeah, it is it is Irish Appreciation Week after all, Callagher and Bradley and, and, and myself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is slightly annoying that we're not playing at home uh, second. But, yeah, like Paul said, if we can't beat Arsenal over two legs, then what are we doing? And, Paul, what about you with with regards to the fixture changes here in these uh, in this semifinal tie? Do you feel like it'll have any impact? Do you think it'll have any bearing on the overall tie? I mean, the thing that I can only say is that, like, you know, us having infield as a second tie is probably the hardest away fixture for any team in Europe. So, I mean, like, let's not pretend that's a, not a big deal because I think it is, but like, I will say that we also have the added bonus of Arsenal having a, a little bit of a chance to cool down now. Right. Because I think going into this match, I will say they were in the best form they've been in all, all season. Um, and that was obviously a concern. Um, so, you know, they've been, They've, they've hit a little bit of a rough spot last match, so let's hope that kind of cools them down. Um, they have a little bit of time. Maybe maybe some, like, uh, maybe Xhaka will do something stupid in the meantime. We'll just have to wait and see if they implode a little bit. But I, I think – I do think it I do think it matters. I mean, I think it, it matters not having that second leg at Anfield. Um, but, you know, the flip side of that is, like Jamie said, we have it first leg. Maybe we can come out and bury them early um, and, and make it so that – that that last leg is is would would take something something special for them to, to beat us. Yeah, you know, and I look back on it the way I look at those matches. I wanted to play on Thursday. Don't get me wrong. I love this club. I want to watch them play. They, you know, I have their matches on my calendar, and I block off time on my schedule so I can watch them throughout my day. 
I didn't love the timing of this match. Uh, I thought the combination of the COVID outbreak that we had, some of the injuries, the players leaving for AFCON, coming off the Chelsea match, I almost felt like it was the worst time that we could be playing a team who arguably has been playing the best they've played in maybe three-plus seasons. So for me, this break almost was like COVID giving us a little pat on the back. And I honestly felt like we did everything right, as Jurgen kept telling everyone. Like, we've got all our guys vaccinated, most of them. We've held most of our players doing a good job without an outbreak. And we're going to be penalized when these other teams can't play against us. And when the game against Leeds came up and we played that, and we were going to play that match before it was canceled, you know, I felt like we should play that match because we had. We had the players to play it and we should keep pushing forward. It almost, in a way, helped us here. Because I feel like if we had had to gone into that match on Thursday at the Emirates playing on the road, playing against a team who was playing at top four, and we were playing with a reserve squad, less players without COVID in our AFCON players, I think it would have set us up in a very, very tough position to advance. Because I could have seen Arsenal getting a, a result in that first match. So in some ways, I almost feel like this is a godsend in some ways for us, and that it will actually set us up to be better equipped to compete with them and compete with full rosters which I think is what all Premier League fans want right now, but none of us can actually ask for. Um, because unfortunately, this pandemic has proven that it doesn't matter how healthy or how well you're doing things, anyone can contract this virus right now. And that's one of the hardest parts. And, you know, I was one of the people screaming for the league to keep going because I didn't think a shutdown was actually going to help it conclude. Um, but I think at this point, what I'm starting to see is, is the league has to understand and figure out its ways to move forward in this process. And I think that's what we're going through right now. So the league helped everybody when they basically told everyone you will play this weekend, whether you play with eight-year-olds, six-year-olds, or kids you found on the street that are willing to wear your jersey because there wasn't a single FA cup tie postponed out of 64. So what do we feel about that from a, from the standpoint that the league said, you're going to go play and they came out and they played these matches. Give me Paul. I know you watched a lot of the FA cup this weekend. I know you love the drama. Give me your feel for what you saw, the entertainment, and do you feel that COVID had anything to do with the excitement that is the third round of the FA Cup? Man, I feel like, Jamie, I need to have, like, my that's a tough one shirt on. Um, I Do I think that COVID had an impact on – what made it so exciting? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think the FA Cup's just like that, man. You've got like, you, I mean, you've got teams playing over four four leagues, right? And I think that's what's pretty interesting is when you have like a lot of these teams we don't get to see. I mean, as Americans, we're actually really spoiled because of the contract with the FCM Plus. We do get to see a lot of championship. We can even see League One matches that like a lot of people in the UK don't get to see, even if it's their local team. So. I think there are very few of us that live here stateside that are going to choose to click on a league one stream on a Saturday morning or a Friday, whenever they even play. Um, so this is kind of our one chance. Like when, when we, we get to see these FA cup ties throughout the week. I think the thing that I liked the most about it was not only the drama, but the fact that the games are essentially clustered in three time slots um, throughout the entire day. And I know the premier league does that a little bit, but like, I think just the sheer volume it felt, volume of it felt different, and I think it's because some of these matches are running 120 minutes long, right? But the fact that, like, it's essentially starting on the East Coast here in the States at 8, and essentially these games are ending at 3 in the afternoon, 
it's pretty awesome to, you know, be able to just marathon through um, with the ESPN coverage. And essentially we can click into every single match. So like if you've got a match that ends and one's going into extra time on the other side of the fixture board, you can go see that match end. Um, I think that was a ton of fun, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't think COVID really affected it too much in my opinion. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm trying to think. I mean, most of these teams fielded pretty strong sides. And, like, even traditionally speaking, in this round of the cup, the big boys are going to field some youth anyway. So, like, I still saw I saw a mixture of youth and experience in the big teams anyway. Um, so I think it would have affected the lower league sides the most, right? Because if they've got COVID outages, they have a, a shallower pool to cover from. And if they're missing key players, they don't, most of those guys don't have a lot of like the quality to pull in um, other, uh, other stars off the bench. So I think it would have affected the, the smaller teams more uh, than anything. And, but I mean, the only thing I will say is I wish they would scrap extra time. Right. Because I think for me, it's like, that extra 30 minutes is really leggy. Like everybody looks super, super tired. Um, for me, I like, I think that we, as good as those games were, I think the last 10 to 15 minutes has the, has the, the potential to be even more magical when you're playing for pens, right? Like you're playing to stay out of pens uh, or get the pens versus teams like hanging on at the end of the game to, to try to settle it in extra time, which is just essentially, I don't know, feels like, two penguins flapping at each other for 30 minutes at the end of the match. Be careful, Paul. You know what the purists will say? The yeah. FA Cup's the oldest cup of the world. The don't mess yeah. with tradition. And what right. does this American want? Does he want to go back to the 90s penalty shootouts yeah. from the halfway line? <laughs> I think the old timers are forgetting that they didn't play three matches a week back then. So No, I, I mean, think you're absolutely right. But, I mean, I, there is a certain drama involved with penalties like i'm not gonna argue with you i was i was there at anfield when we had the league cup with um middlesbrough where 26 penalties were scored in a row i was stood in the cup in absolute disbelief i mean penalties are amazing but they can don't get me wrong 26 penalties were scored in a row people were just like hey 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 you know it was it was a bit boring at the end but um there's there is drama in extra time. I get what you're saying um, with fixture congestion and 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 players getting leggy and and etc. But um, yeah, I mean the FA Cup's great. Like, but but again, to your point, like you you guys in America, me in America as well, do get the upper hand. You get much more TV coverage than we do back home. For instance, the Liverpool game wasn't even on TV. You know, there was a big uproar about that back home because people were like. Is the Liverpool game? How is that not more exciting than whatever else you've got on on BBC or ITV? Um, so, I mean, Paul's absolutely right. You you guys really do get um, championship ESPN coverage is brilliant for all that. Like it's great. Like you know, I've got a, a fella in town who's a Forest fan, and he has all his games. You know, no problem. It is amazing, right? We can watch more. We can watch more footy. Here in you can watch more footy in Nebraska in the United States than you can in London and root for your team in the championship. Yeah. And for that is when it drives me crazy when the fans here complain about the coverage, about the what we can see, or about how hard it is to watch these matches or the times of these matches. And I think to myself, like a 10 a.m. match the 3 p.m. matches in England aren't on television to make Whoa. sure people go and actually show up and fill out the stadium. Yeah. And we get every single one of them streamed on Peacock and people claim and people clamor because, you know, the screen buffers on them and you I mean, can't watch your team. Lee Dixon is very money. hard to listen to, though. It must make it <laughs> tough for someone who's been over there. <laughs> so... Uh, I would I would agree with that and and so let's let's transition then into this week's match. So the lineup comes out against against Shrewsbury, right? The lineup comes out. We all get excited. We see it. It has a mixture. I'll be honest. There were more veteran senior players in the starting eleven than I thought might be. 
when I heard about the break and the COVID outbreaks. So, Jamie, you see the lineup. You see that, you know, starting 11. What were your initial thoughts regarding how that match was going to go at Anfield? I mean, you've always got the belief that Liverpool are going to get the job done at Anfield. And no matter who shows up. And, you know, the the Shrewsbury um, manager was, was, was giving Liverpool props and saying how much of a great team we are and whoever we field, it's going to be professional and we're going to try our best to beat them. If they play for Liverpool, they're obviously a quality player, saying all the right things before the game. So, and I mean, he, he wasn't blowing smoke. He was absolutely right. But um, that's the, the beauty of meeting these lower league teams. Like they're, what they'll what they'll lack in quality, they're they're going to make up for an effort because that's a day they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. They they played at Anfield with a full stadium. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the stuff that dreams are made of. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I I had high hopes for the kids. So I'm not going to lie. I, when we went one 0 down, which I'm sure we'll get into, like it, there wasn't the same level of uh don't worry, we'll get back. But I, I believe I was one of the only ones in the Discord chat that we were talking about, where we were all talking. I was like, yeah, this is fine, lads. We're we're one nil down. We're grand here. Um, I am. Uh, don't get me wrong. My glasses are firmly tinted Merseyside red, but like I, I've been changed into this player and, and into this person, into this uh, glass glass half full guy. I, that was never me. But then again, I had never, I had never much cause to be that person, you know. Before Klopp, there was no, there was no glass half full, you know. You were a realist. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I guess maybe not. I did defend Brendan Rodgers probably a little too long. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. To be fair, Jamie, you did do this. Uh, you have done this podcast with Tamuchin for a long time, and that will make anyone a glass half full person because his glass his glass is so empty he forgot how half full it was um paul how about you you saw that lineup you got ready for the match you were sitting there in your home sunday morning what was going through your thoughts um i mean i think our youth setup is like i guess my thought was that we've got enough quality with the kids to beat shrewsbury regardless so the only concerning thing to me down one out or one nil early is that you've essentially got one player in a front six, you know, one, one player that's not in a back four who hasn't been a teenager in the last couple months. Like, you know, like you've got essentially Fabinho and Jones, who was like 19 just a couple months ago. Um, and he's just been in the team so long. We forget how young he is. Um, so that was my only concern is, is there going to be enough cohesion between like that back line, Fabinho, and then a group of kids that, I mean, there's a difference between training with the first team and playing with the first team. Like game speed is completely different. And so my, my concern was like, man, are these kids going to be able to string enough chemistry together to like find a way through this back line? I mean, Shrewsbury's not like, they're a decent side. I mean, they're not just like some crap lower lower team. They're they're an actual decent side. Um, so I was uh, impressed by a number of the youngsters uh, throughout the match, and and obviously good to see us get one back pretty pretty quickly and, and and roll on. But yeah, that was my concern. Like Fabinho basically was the only outfield player that we've regularly seen have class outside of that back four. Yeah, and I, I will say when I when I looked at that lineup, my thought was was they were so weak going forward that I thought they would actually I, I thought our defense would be weakened, I hate to say it, by how poor our attack was. And by how poor it would be how inconsistent they were playing with each other. And I think you saw that a little bit, right? Yeah. You saw that early in the match. You saw uh turnovers happening, you saw you know, a few opportunities where they were getting at our back line. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, let's talk about that first goal. Um, because it was 
pretty poor performance of defending on that play. Um, uh, th yeah, their first goal. Th their first goal. Yeah. Um, you know, goal. Yeah. yeah, I guess yeah. it is their only goal. But they, well, they did score that offside goal just after. But yeah, I mean, the, their first goal, but it, that first goal was coming, right? Because they, they had a cross that was just two minutes before that was exactly the same. So, yeah, I, I mean, what happened there? Like, because Kanade kind of like, he, he, he like landed on both feet just before it. Like, if you watch that cross again, he like, he stomps the ground just before it, which you don't do if you're in momentum. You know, you stomp both feet if you're going to stop. It's weird. Like, he hops. It's weird. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, I was going to ask you both on that play, right? Bradley does not cover himself with glory, and I thought he had, of all the youngsters, I thought he might have been the best on the pitch, as good as young Gordon was. We're going to talk about that finish because it's class. Um, the That moment coming down the left-hand side – or, you know, down that, that side, he, he looked like he was weak. He didn't look like he responded well. The ball comes across. But Kanate's approach to that ball and the fact that he just lets it run past him and almost looks at it, like, like you said, Jamie, he stops to the point where almost – I feel sometimes when he has to defend with his brain, he's still three years behind all the talent his body is holding. And I think that's what happens sometimes when you are a mountain of a man at 19, 20 years old, and you are just physically beyond uh, all of your contemporaries. I think sometimes you just make up for it on athleticism. And I personally feel what we've seen so far from Kanate is he has the physical ability to deliver everything you need in a top-class center back. At any moment, he can shut off to the point where he still makes a mental error. That almost like his body hasn't caught up, or his brain hasn't caught up with his body yet. And I feel like we watch that happen, and I feel like it happens against weaker opposition. Where when he got to play against United, and he knew he was going up against top-class talent the whole time, when he played against Ibrahimovic, and he knew he was going against a world class striker he knew he had to be locked in at every moment yet when he's playing against league one opponents he's like meh I can make up for this with my speed and my pace and then quickly you just watch it in a moment and that goal gets and that goal happens and to be honest the second goal other than the fact that they were you know offsides by a fraction was really kind of on him as well. So, Paul, both of us have been huge Kanate supporters uh, on this podcast and talked about him as really the future of this club at a center back position. What does he need to do? Or how does he improve those uh, mental errors that we've been seeing and talking about here on a weekly basis when they occur? I mean, I think it's just growth and natural maturation. We forget he's still a baby. I mean, he's still super young, especially in terms of center backing. You know, and he, he's he got loads of experience, been through the Champions League, but this is his first year in the Prem, you know what I mean? And I, yep. I, this is obviously not a Prem match, but uh, that goal in particular was interesting because we saw a lower league side do what teams have been doing to us all year and hit us with the big switch from right to left. It's exactly what they did. The same thing that teams have been doing versus Trent. And every goal that's been scored that way almost results the same way. We don't close down the initial switch. We don't close down the ball in, and then there's a goal. Well, they they usually flood that left channel on you know their left, our right, and that's what happens. In that one, man, when I saw Kanate pull up and kind of put both arms up and do that little skip Jamie was talking about. I honestly thought he, he heard something. I thought he like thought maybe he got called off of it. You know, like he heard a keeper like, or, or I mean, and maybe it was one of the Shrewsbury players or maybe it was, maybe it was a ghost. But like when, when I heard, when I saw that, it looked to me like a player who thought he was getting called off the ball. So, I mean, it's tough to say what happened there. 
Um, but yeah, you're right. He does have a tendency to switch off. Right. And I think, um, I think he's just finding his feet still. I mean, like I know the match before we talked about it. I thought that Verge didn't do him any favors by pushing the, the high line up so far that he basically made Kanata either play a giant game of chicken with him or get torched. Um, so I think he's still kind of figuring it out. He's stuck between um, a very average to subpar Verge right now and uh, a Trent who pushes way up. Um, and then on that day, a kid. So um, not to make excuses for him, I think there's a natural maturation that will come with him. He's got all the physical tools. He's a mountain. I think that like he's going to be uh, – I think he's going to be a long-term starter for us, and I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's going to be one of the best in the world. We just we just kind of have to wait to see this thing happen over time. And it's going to take time. It's going to take some time. So yeah, maybe, maybe Paul's right. Like he, he probably did hear something behind him because when you look at that – uh, that slow mo. He, he the arms going looking. up like this, like this thing. Looking for he's still looking for his man. Like he doesn't know where his man is. Like uh, here's the difference. Good defenders will look over their shoulder and immediately recognize the trouble. Like 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 Maldini said. You know, I'll only make a tackle uh, if I make a tackle. It means I've already messed up. You know, I've, the mistakes already happened. Last resort. Um, it didn't look like Canada knew where his man was. But like Ben here saying, he, he's so quick and athletic, he hasn't had to read the game yet. Fortunately, he can learn from, from one of the best. Uh, maybe Ben doesn't know, but Lovren left a few years back. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... I don't know if he knows your humor yet, Jamie. <laughs> nobody um, nobody does. Everybody thinks I'm taking... Anyway. Well, I mean, you do wear those rosy red glasses. Uh, let me ask you guys this, and let's let's transition to the positive of this match. Let's let's talk about some of the great performances from the youngsters. Uh, young Gordon on the right wing, seventeen-year-old kid, gets his you know his big bow at Anfield. He goes out and he ultimately puts in, for my opinion, he put in a forty-five-minute man of the match type of performance. His first half was great. He was everywhere. He was up and down the flanks. He was working well with Bradley. He was overlapping. And let's be honest, the touch he has to take the ball off his right, bring it down, compose it with his left, and bury it in the bottom left-hand corner in a traffic-filled six-yard box, that, that is the type of class that you know, 35-year-old strikers don't always have. So this is a 17-year-old kid who becomes the youngest, second youngest player ever to score for Liverpool, um, second youngest player in the FA Cup. So let me ask you both this to lifelong Red fans. How do we now stop the machine that is the Liverpool fan base from expecting him to be the next thing at 17 years and 200 days, seeing that as of today he is, and that is well played, Jamie, 17 years and 100 days. Because for me, the hardest thing now is stopping the expectations that allows this kid to continue to grow into the player he can be. Paul, what do you think on that? I think, I mean, I don't think we can, right? I think Jurgen will do it for him, which is good because, I mean, Jurgen has a tendency to bleed people incorrectly. I think the disclaimer I will put, like, because, you know, I feel the same way, but the disclaimer I will put is we've seen this happen with Ben Woodburn, Jordan Ibe. I mean, to an extent, Nico Williams' first couple performances, Tyler Morton's first couple performances versus his last couple. I think it's very, very common for us to see these kids come up and exceed expectations in their first couple matches we watch. Us overreact. These players come back down to earth, have a couple bad matches, and things kind of level out. Like that seems to be what happens with this situation. Um, that being said, I do not believe he's another Ben Woodburn who, in fairness to Ben, has had some terrible injury luck. Um and I'll tell you why I think there's a maturity to his game that I haven't seen with those other players. 
um, just in the way he he works in possession. Like when he has the ball, he's pointing play, he's pointing out spaces and runs, which was incredible to me. To see this player receive the ball on that channel and be pointing for where he wanted somebody to make a run to make space for where he wanted to pass it. Like that's like, you just don't see that at the senior level with a 17 year old very often. I will also say he's got a hype coming out of Derby that we haven't seen with a lot of Academy kids. Like he's, he's had this consistent hype all the way up, very similar to how Harvey had coming out of the Academy of Fulham, like where people were like, he's going to be special. It's just a matter of like, not if it's a matter of when, um, the strike, um, I can tell you as a, as a former subpar striker, when you have the ball in that position, they, they do teach you at very young levels to open your hip. Like, But the tendency in that situation is to open your hip just like he did and smash it near post. It is not to look where there's two dumb – like two guys are as a dump, like almost right. like a training dummy and wrap it far post around the body of the, the outline. That just doesn't – that is not a natural instinct. Um, it was so level-headed and composed. It was frightening. Like, I was like – it, like, took my breath away, man. Like, I was like, whoa. Like, you just do not see that. Even from established, respected, well-rounded strikers, that is not a very common thing to see. So, like, you know, I'm trying to keep – I'm trying to say, like, we need to, like, level expectations. But at the same time, that's that's special. A special thing to see. I I will say I, I felt the same way when I saw him make the move and and take the shot. I thought to myself, "Wow, this this is this is different." Like this, you you see young players make moves. You see young players have great touches or have a great moment, and then you really realize though when they put a a level of composure on the class yep. that that can't be taught. That it's not taught. Right. Um, and that to me, and, and it's very similar. And, you know, albeit for us to say something nice about city on this, you know, on this podcast, but let's be honest. One of the things, or one of the things that I've always said that Pep has done so well is, is, you know, Pep has put the leashes on Phil Foden when everyone at city wanted Phil Foden to be the English Messi. Pep kept, kept saying, I don't believe he's the England Messi. You know, I believe he's better than the talent that Messi was at eight, at 18. But I'm going to make sure he becomes the player that Messi is at 25 by not letting him, you know, overread the press clippings and overextend himself. And I do believe that is something that Klopp is going to do with Gordon. And I think it's something he's done to Elliot to a lesser extent. Um, but I will say this. The future is pretty bright if yeah. you have a recruitment process that is picking up 16 to 18 year old kids with this level of talent for basically tribunal fees. So for all the FSC out people who want hundred million dollar buys, there is something smart about investing in picking up other clubs youth that they can't sign at their, at their levels. And if well, the player doesn't players. work out, you can sell them on for a profit. And if the player does work out, you have gems that ultimately clubs are built on players that come out of their academy. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. And we saw a great display of it, in my opinion, you know, Sunday morning when we got to watch this match. Um, I thought Morton was good. He wasn't great. Thought he was poor at the beginning of the match and got better as it went on. Right about when we all started to complain about him, yeah. he started playing. We were complaining about Tyler Morton, and he turned into Messi for 50, the last 15 minutes of the game. It was pretty much pretty much what happens when we yeah. complain about someone, so we should probably complain more often. Yeah. Um, so we saw the match. We advance on to the next round of the FA Cup, which is beautiful. Uh, we get our draw with Cardiff City, which will be interesting. I'm happy it's at home, so there will be supporters in the crowd because I don't know that I could have watched the game in Wales without any fans in the stadium. Uh, it's depressing and sad, as I've noticed when I tried to watch the Swansea match this weekend. So let's transition over with uh, the few minutes we have left to our two upcoming matches next week. So Thursday we play Arsenal at home in the League Cup in the first leg of our two-legged tie. 
What type of a lineup do you two expect from Jurgen for this match? Hopefully 11. <laughs> well, I, I, I'd hope we get 11. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, um, I'm not fussed. After that performance, I, I, I'm happy enough. I don't think Arsenal are going to be too much of an issue. They're a shambles right now. Aubameyang oh, is running the roost. I mean, they, there's all sorts of infighting. Their form, regardless, I, I'm not worried about them. I, I think it'll be the strongest 11 we can field, which is weird because, I mean, you essentially got 72 hours and turn around and play Brentford, right? I mean – but I just think that's kind of how we roll. Like we roll with the strongest 11. Then the will like we kind of reassess and we do what we can the following game. I mean, that's just traditionally how we've done this. Um, I think at this stage, I mean, you're in the, you're almost to the final. Like you've got to put out the strongest 11 you can. Um, that's what I fully expect to see um, who that's going to be for me is almost impossible to say just because so Here's a better question. Who would you keep from the Shrewsbury game in the lineup? Uh, I would keep – that is a good question. I'd keep Robbo. I'd keep Van Dyke. I'd keep Fabinho. Uh, and that's it. Are all the right answers? <laughs> no. Yeah, you hope – I don't know where Thiago is. I don't know if he's close, but I would hope that Thiago is close. Um, at least can give us – you put What's Jones up? back in? Would you put Jones back in? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Uh, unless we're short in the mids. But I mean, as you still got like you've got Ox that I think would get in ahead of Jones right now. Um, you know, Henderson, Fabinho, and Diago is obviously the midfield we all want to see. Whether we'll see that, I mean, we've seen it so few times, um, and I don't know where Diago is. So that's really kind of the one that's hinging. The back well, four. I rumors that he was done for the season. Jeez, um, and, and Klopp, Klopp rubbish. Oh, he that. killed that. Yeah, he yeah, killed that. I mean, that. if that was true, honestly, I would just be like, we just never talk about it again as a general rule of thumb. Like, we just don't ever, ever discuss him again. Um, so yeah, I, I would think that would be the mid three you'd want to see, right? I think the back four kind of writes itself. Obviously, Allison, uh, and then the rest of the the usual back four. I would see I would I would like to see Matip return. Uh as much as I love Kanate, I think Matip's been our best center back all year. And that includes Virgil. Um and then you know obviously front top three, you know, your front three. That's where it gets interesting. Um I think I would play Bobby. I think he's too important to the team. I think we saw what he does for the midfield when he starts. Um I would put Jota in there on the left where Sadio generally is. Um, and on the right, you got some interesting options. I mean, I think me and Galli are got to be the biggest Minamino fans in the entire world. So we have like this uh, unnatural affinity for Taki. So I, I would put him in right wing if we can. Um, but I mean, I think that's that's sometimes you see Ox there. So that's 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 kind of a wild card, right? I mean, I, I don't know what you do because like. If Origi's anywhere near fit and he wants to play, he's generally center left. So he doesn't go right generally. So that's – I think that's your question mark on that team is who's playing where Salah generally plays. What about you, Jamie? I mean, I'm I'm kind of with Ben here. He, he'd like to see Kelleher between the sticks again. I, I'm not I'm not opposed to that. Obviously, I'm, I'm biased, but um, I think Kelleher's fantastic. I think the kids have really um, made a good name for themselves. Um, I know, uh, you know, Morton has his flaws. He's not physically there, but he, you know, he had a, a great interview with the club there before the, the, the Shrewsbury game and, and talked a lot and just everything you want to hear from the kids. So like, you know, he, he, he plays relatively well right now, but when he's, now he's training with the first team more and more often. You're going to see that physicality come into the game. And, like, just the way he he slid that – cut that ball back in for the fourth go- – or uh, for um, for Bobby's goal, the third goal. I, I loved it. I it, it gave me goosebumps. It was like um, – it was like Stevie G on his debut. You know, when you, you were watching the – his debut, he, he slides on the touchline and keeps the ball in twice, like just just like Morton, only only not as good as Morton. Like that was a cutback slide. Like I thought that was brilliant. 
Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not afraid of Arsenal whatsoever. I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm being bullish uncharacteristically, really. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've got no reason to be bullish. <laughs> we only beat Shrewsbury, Jesus Christ. Um, and made a meal of it almost, you know. We, we played all right, but 4-1 in the end kind of kind of bit glosses over. It's nice to see Fabinho get his, his penalty. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not afraid of Arsenal right now. I'm never afraid of Arsenal with a healthy Bobby because I feel like he can pop two worldies against Arsenal or any London club at any moment. The man loves to play in London more than anybody I know. Um, though this match will be in Liverpool, but he always seems to love a goal against the London side. I think Bobby being back is huge. And I think that I honestly believe that it will be a Taki Bobby Jota front three for a lot of these matches uh, until Mo and Mane are back. But I also believe that that's because Origi offers us the best impact sub we have from our bench. Uh, and I really believe he's the player that comes in and impacts the game, changes the game. He scores a big goal. And like Paul says, you know, he's the type of guy who comes in and he can, he can sleepwalk through 11 minutes of his 12-minute cameo, act like he doesn't care, and then score a worldy goal. And then just kind of look at everybody in the crowd like, what did you expect? It, all, it also helps when you genuinely don't care, you know? Well, I, and, and he doesn't. <laughs> Right up there. I genuinely think he does it. Like he's like he's like along for the ride. Like he not that he doesn't want to score and do well, but he just genuinely like if it happens, it happens. <laughs> like, well, hey, Paul, you've said it before. He is genuinely the kid who dislikes playing on the team he plays for. Right. His parents make him show up every week, yep. and if he gave two bleeping shits, he would by far be the best player on the team. And the fact that he only cares half as much still makes him the third best player on the team. And, if, and in fairness to Div, he gets like, I mean, he loves his teammates. He loves everyone. You know, it's like that kid. I mean, he loves playing with you guys. He just doesn't particularly care. <laughs> like, hey, he, he would rather be there for the orange peels and the snacks right, yes. than he would for the effort. Yeah. yeah. Like, he wants to be as much part of the club as he wants to be in the club. That's a weird one. Div, Div's problem is he's much too philosophical to be a striker. You know what I mean? I, I agree with that. Yeah. Like he's he's so um he, he's a know, deep I, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's not a a, a killer, a Robbie Fowler, a, a poacher, you know, like he's he's contemplative, you know. Yeah, you'd be at a club and he'd be posted up like if he's not looking at fashion stuff, he'd be over there like reading Emerson or something. <laughs> like yeah. Right. I'd be over there. I'd be over there looking at the hottest girl in the entire club getting beaten up by her boyfriend trying to get too close. And Divac would be trying to get close with the boyfriend to ask how much the belt costs because he's impressed with the belt he's wearing tonight at the club. Yes. That's the difference. Yeah. So we got two matches this week, gentlemen. Before we wrap up, let's do the old prediction wagon. What do we see? The result to be at the end of leg one, Liverpool Arsenal at Anfield. Four nil. Showing me four nil. I went yeah. for it early. Jamie is much more bullish than I am. I would. I'll go two one. I'm going to say that it's a two one as well uh, on the home leg. Uh, I'm not feeling great about it. Um, feel like we'll get a victory out of it. How about the Brentford? I know we didn't touch on it much here. Um, what about the Brentford match on the weekend? I have to assume there'll be some rotation 72 hours later. It's going to be difficult. We haven't played a Premier League game in like a month, it feels like, you know? Um, yeah, we just need to get the win. Um, I'm fine with a 1-0. I'll take a scrappy 1-0 all day long against Brentford right now. You know, I'll, I'll take it right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that will be a scrap. I mean, they haven't – I'm just looking at their past results. Like, you just kind of don't know what you're going to get with them. And I know a lot of that's down to, like, you know, Tony's been out with COVID, and that obviously affected them because he's their, he's their star up front and kind of makes a lot of things tick for them. Uh, I think the thing that jumps out to me with Brentford is essentially in the last, like, 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like almost like 12 matches. They haven't allowed more than two goals to anyone. So, uh, I mean, regardless of what they're doing up front, they're at least making it tough for teams to break them down still, which is fairly interesting. So, I mean, I got to think that one's going to be pretty tight too. So, lads, I hate to do it to you, but I'm going to throw you under the bus real quick. We've had a, a comment there in the in the in the section about the warrior kits. Go on now, show us the back of your warrior kits. Oh, what are, are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but we show. <laughs> but it doesn't matter actually because we've got salad. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, money, money. Okay. <laughs> At the end of the day, we wore our Coutinho jerseys tonight out of respect for the player coming back to the Premier League. And I think for me and Paul, yes. purely out of love and admiration for the fact that hopefully him being back in the Premier League will be less people talking about him coming back to Liverpool. <laughs> yes, we're celebrating four years of rumors of him back to the Premier League ending. Yeah. I'm, I'm just because we love the Warrior kits. Yeah. We do love the Warrior kits. I have to admit, they were wonderful. Um, so guys, it was a great show. Before we get going, though, let's, uh, for those who need to rehash here, our first question today was the last time Liverpool won the FA Cup, which was answered, was 2006. The match was against West Ham. It finished the in penalty, three to one to Liverpool on penalties after a three-three draw. Paul did the thing he does every week when we ask who scored a goal. He guesses Gerard, and he was right. He got two of them. Uh, he got the second and the third goal in stoppage time to tie the match before it went to penalties. But the first one. Who got the first one? Peter Crouch. Nope. That wasn't Crouch. Uh, Garcia. Um, Cisse. No. Scored it before the half. It was a beautiful volley, too. It was a beautiful volley right before the half. Half volley. It It was lovely. To make it two to one. The the unbelievable part was they were down two nil early in that match and still came back to win it. It was almost like they were laying the foundation for what was to come in this symbol. Hold on. Um, did Carragher get an own goal in that game? Didn't Jamie Carragher scored in that game? Jamie Carragher scored the first goal of the match moments into it with an <laughs> own goal at Wembley. And he still to this day says yeah. it's one of his lowlights of his entire career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but well, it was a tough one. For... <laughs> yeah. Dean Ashton, Dean Ashton scored the second, uh, and it was Kinchiski that scored to put them up three to two. Before Gerard tied it, and then we won in penalties. That name so, is PTSD. I'm telling you, Kinchiski. Yeah, seriously, oh, man. man. Jesus. And wow. here, Cos and here, Cosgrove gets mad at us for our jerseys, throwing him back into his Europa League days, and I'm bringing up guys like this. On trivia questions. Yeah, man, um, that's So, for all of our listeners out there, thank you so much uh, for hanging with us tonight. We've gone a little bit over. Thank you for dealing with us without our wonderful host. He will be back next week, and we can't wait to have him. Jamie, thank you for filling in for us tonight. We always yeah. appreciate you uh, and your insight. Guys, what do we have to wrap up before we close this one out? Not a problem. I was just happy to be here. Um, Paul, I'm sure you know you'll echo me at the great comments from from the from the listeners. Um, and uh, you'll never walk alone. Bring on Arsenal. Yeah, man. Best part of the week. Love it. Let's do it again. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you for following us. Thank you for your likes. Please share, comment, invite other folks to the podcast. We would love to get new comments, listeners, and viewers. If you know folks that are are uh, diehard Liverpool fans and would love to get involved with supporters like us. We would love to have them part of our community, invite them into our Discord channel, or our Facebook groups. So 
share and like. And until next week, we will see you then. And until then, have a great week, everybody.